Welcome to the Shiro Podcast, where we celebrate women in the legal profession and discuss some of the challenges and issues they face. This podcast is brought to you by the Texas Young Lawyers Association. Welcome to the Shiro Podcast, a project of the Texas Young Lawyers Association. My name is Michael Rader, and I'm an at-large director of TYLA. Today I'll be interviewing Jane Bacchus, and I'll let her introduce herself. Uh, my name is Jane Bacchus. I'm an attorney at Dykema here in San Antonio. How are you doing this morning, Jane? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks for being here. I saw an announcement uh, that you were named as one of the 2018 Outstanding Lawyers by the San Antonio Business Journal. How do you, how do you feel about that? It's humbling. It's very humbling. Before you jump to the questions about your legal career, would you mind telling us a little bit about your family? So I'm married uh, to Randy Gay. I have two adult children, Royer and Jackson. They both are living on the West Coast right now. My daughter's an actress, so I'm very proud of her. And my son is a coder for Qualcomm. They both live in the L.A. area? No, my son is in San Jose, and my daughter is in the company of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland, Oregon. Oh, interesting. Fantastic. And how long have you been a lawyer? 39 years. 39 years ago. Why did you decide to become a lawyer? I, at that time, was teaching middle school Texas history in San Antonio. I was not well suited for teaching middle school students. Um, And one day, as I had a dictionary in my hand and I found it on its way down towards a kid's head, I stopped myself and decided I need to do something different before I hurt someone. And um, I, there was a great law school in San Antonio at St. Mary's. Um, I'm from Oklahoma City, so I, I moved to San Antonio for the teaching job. And it was right down the street from where I lived. And I thought, you know, I could be a lawyer um, and be abused for a lot more money. Did you have any lawyers in your family or know of any lawyers at the time? None. None. So when you made the decision to become a lawyer, did you have any perceptions about women in the practice of law? I really didn't because I graduated in 1979, and at that time, my law school class was 20% female. So it was still pretty unusual, and, um, and even when I got out of law school, we had some female judges in San Antonio, but there weren't that many women at that point in time doing civil litigation, which is what I was doing. And did you start off doing civil litigation? I did. I did. And was there a particular area or focus that you had? So I started in a a small insurance defense firm here in San Antonio, Clemens & Spencer, um, which was a fabulous place for me at that point in time. The firm had been formed in 1901, and I was the first woman they had ever hired. So I was their grand experiment. And uh, the firm did all kinds of litigation, from sophisticated to literally dog bites and slip and falls. And so when I started practicing with them in 1979, they gave me a docket, and I had my own cases from day one. And obviously I had guidance, um, but there was no like mentorship program. I was the 10th attorney in the firm, so it was a small law firm. How long were you at Clements & Spencer? I was there for 24 years. 24 years. And did you experience any challenges um, in practice of law? Oh, sure. (laughs) Oh, sure. Um, I did, yes. 
at that point in time, especially early on, um, it was unusual enough to see a woman in the courtroom or a woman show up for a deposition. And every woman who was practicing at the time I was had similar experiences of being asked, are you the court reporter? I was asked on more than one occasion to see my bar card. Um, judges would refer to me as sweetheart, honey, and little lady. And, and so it was, it took a long time before it was no longer unusual to see women in the courtroom. And a lot of my work was in the smaller counties that surround San Antonio. And so it was even more unusual there. That must have been uh, challenging. Uh, did you feel like it affected you personally and how you went about no, things? No. Um, I mean, one of the decisions that I made in my first year of the practice of law was to just check my fear at the door. Because there were plenty of things I was asked to do that um, made me nervous, like go to Eagle Pass for a hearing. Um, that my very first deposition after I got licensed to practice law was on Long Island in New York. And you know, I grew up in Oklahoma. I wasn't a world traveler, and I thought, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to get on that plane. I'm going to find my way to Rockville Center, New York, and I'm going to take that deposition, and I did it. And um, and I just never wanted to be perceived as someone who they had to coddle or treat differently. And so no matter what the assignment, I always said yes. And that was um, just a resolution I made in my own head when I first started. My second resolution was to never bring them coffee and never make coffees, and I didn't do that either. Because it was unusual to see a woman in the practice of law at the time, did you find that there were any advantages that you, you were able to take in far as uh, litigation-wise? Absolutely. Um, I was underestimated frequently, which was the best thing that could possibly happen. And the second thing was, and this is going to sound worse than it actually was, but the judges were somewhat paternalistic. And so when I would walk in and they would ask me, what can I do for you, little lady? I would tell them. And um, so I often got the ear of the judge first, even if, if I was the respondent. I was still able to lead the discussion because they would turn to me. Like, why are you here? And I would tell them. Were there other female lawyers who joined Clement and Spencer after you? Oh, absolutely. In fact, we ended up with a great group of women lawyers. Um, the first woman hired after me was Phyllis Speedlin, who went on to sit on the district court bench in the Fourth Court of Appeals, and now she and I are practicing law again together. And Phyllis and I tried many cases together, which was just tons of fun. We had a blast doing it. What kinds of cases did you try together? Medical malpractice cases. Phyllis was a nurse before she went to law school, and so when she joined the firm, she immediately started working on medical malpractice cases in addition to other types of cases. Um, the very first case that Phyllis and I tried together um, was actually an insurance bad faith case, and uh, she and I started this trial without telling any of our male partners that the two of us were doing it. And we came back from our first day of trial and um, were sitting in the conference room and somebody walked in 
and asked us what we were up to, and we told them we had started a trial that day, and the men were, were just like flabbergasted, going, the two of you? And we said, yes, the two of us, we were trying it, and we won it. We got a defense verdict. So we tried many cases together after that. How many cases have you tried in your career, would you say? Um, I don't know an exact number, but over 30. In balancing the requirements of the job with your family, um, how did you address those challenges? So I got married uh, later in life. I was 36 when I got married, and my husband was 37. And he had been practicing law um, only for five years at that point in time. He had done other things up until then. He was not happy practicing law. And so we decided, before we even got married, that when we had children, that he would quit the practice of law and stay home with our children, and I would be the breadwinner. Do you have any interesting stories about practicing law and your children when they were growing up? So many, so many stories. So after my maternity leave with my daughter, I had two trial settings back-to-back. Um, one in Laredo and one in Dallas. And so Randy and my daughter came with me to trial. So the second trial in Dallas um, lasted uh, over two weeks. And um, we were trying it in the old Dallas courthouse, which they were in the process of closing down. So they had several empty courtrooms. And every day he would bring Royer to the courthouse so that... And they, the judge's clerk had given us a key to the courtroom, one of the empty courtrooms, so that we could go in and I could nurse her during lunch and eat lunch and spend some time with them. And then when the uh, lunch hour was over, I'd go back to work. Well, one day the judge um, announced that he had a meeting at 1 o'clock, and so we weren't going to take our lunch break until 1. And... Um, at about 12.45, Royer is outside the courtroom, and she started crying. And the jurors got so agitated because they had figured out what we were doing. I don't know how they had figured it out, but the women on the jury are looking at the judge and looking at me and looking at the judge and looking at me, and they were telling the judge, she has to go. She has to go now. So the judge just kind of said, well, I guess we'll break now for lunch. And um, everyone left, and and I went to be my daughter. Um, You know, my kids were uh, lucky to have a parent at home, and it was uh, something that was important to us. But when my daughter was in kindergarten, she came home and um, told her dad, much to her chagrin, did you know that in most families, it's the dad that goes to work and the mom that stays home? And my husband um, advised her, yeah, we were aware of that. In the practice of law, it's also a business as well. Have you felt that you had to do anything extra to, uh, as far as self-promotion goes, as far as um, getting your name out there? to get clients? Um. Wow, that's a good question. Um, I was very fortunate that early on at Clemens and Spencer, um, 
I had a client, an insurance client, and the adjuster with whom I worked was a woman who was quite progressive, and she was so excited that they had assigned me to some of her cases that she told me, I am going to send you all of my cases because I want women to succeed in this profession. So I've always been very fortunate that I have had um, clients who wanted women doing their work. And and frankly, um, one of the reasons that I left Clement Spencer was because I had started doing more and more pharmaceutical products liability work. And what got me into that work was the fact that there was a large lawsuit, um, a mass tort filed in Texas that involved all the plaintiffs were women. And the regional counsel for my client, which was Clark Thomas and Winters, um, did not have any female trial lawyers. And so they were looking to associate with a firm that did. And at that time, at Clemens Spencer, there were three of us, Phyllis Speedland, Gail Dalrymple, and me. And we had all tried lots of medical malpractice cases as well as others. And so they were referred to us. And, um, and we started working on those cases. Soon after that, Phyllis left to go on the bench, but Gail and I continued to do uh, work with Clark Thomas, and so maybe five or six years later, we left Clement Spencer and opened the San Antonio office of Clark Thomas. So in that case, being a woman was a huge advantage because I had a lot of trial experience. That's what they were looking for, and it gave me an opportunity to um, move into a very exciting area of the and currently, you practice product liability? I do. Where do you see the biggest challenges currently for women in the law? I guess where they've always been. I mean, if we have, as I tell the associates in my firm, we've come a long way, but we have a long ways to go. I think that women still have to work harder to get in front of clients. I think they have to be assertive in their desire. I think they have to be aware of places where it's not happening. And there are clients who just don't want women doing their work. So we, we've come a long ways, but we have a long ways to go. We're getting there, but we're not done yet. As one of our sheroes, what advice would you give to other female attorneys? So my advice to other women attorneys is to, um, and what I tell the women in my firm, do not sustain your own objection. And what I mean by that is, don't say no when someone offers you an opportunity. Women tend to, in their own minds, go through all of the things that they're not ready for yet, rather than, I can figure this out and I can do it. So when a door opens, it opens because someone has faith in your ability to do whatever is on the other side of that door. Just go with it. Don't say no just because you don't have it all figured out yet. You can figure it out as you go. I talked about um, was Donna Snyder, who was a, an attorney for the phone company. And so she was, at that time, their in-house lawyers... Um, tried cases. They handled everything. 
And so I remember as a young lawyer, I met Donna at the YMCA, which is where we networked at the time in the locker room at the Y. The women lawyers would all be there. And um, I would go to the courthouse and I would see her before docket call out in the hall joking around with these guys because Donna is a very funny person. She would go in and be assigned to a court, go to the hearing, cut them off at their knees, and then go have coffee with them afterwards. And I thought, that's the lawyer I want to be. I want to, I do not want the practice of law to interfere with civility and my ability to be friends with both sides of the bar. And so I really tried to emulate Donna um, as I was starting my practice. And that was to be civil, you know, to joke around and to have coffee after the hearing because you want to maintain those relationships. So I was very lucky to have met Donna early on. So she was my shero. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to talk about? <laughs> oh, there are so many stories. The only thing that I would, would want to say is that when I was at Clemens Spencer, I was given amazing opportunities. They, they sent me to um, places I never thought I would get to go, and I never said no to any opportunity that came along. Where was your favorite place that you got to go? Probably New York City. <laughs> Can't beat that for a good time. It was a lot of fun. And I, I'll tell you a funny story that happened there. So, you know, I told you I was a very young lawyer, and I wore my business suit. I had my briefcase in my hand and I'm on the subway or the train going out to Rockville Center and the conductor came along to punch my ticket and I of course had my New York Times. I'm reading it and uh, he leaned over and said, I'll tell you when to get off. I fooled no one. It was fun. Thanks, Jay. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please support the work we're doing by liking the Texas Young Lawyers Association's Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at Tex Young Lawyers. And tune in for our next episode on Wonder Women Wednesday.